if we attack, you lose arguments, right? When we're fighting, nobody's listening to each other. And that's so wrong in political discourse, right? I mean, people should be able to have polite conversations, friendly conversations, and listen to each other and understand each other's point. You don't have to agree, but you lose an argument anytime you're yelling and uh, and you're not accepting somebody else's viewpoint. I mean, we all come from different perspectives, all different cultures, all different uh, walks of life. Nobody knows our story unless you're you know, unless you have a, a, a prior, you know, bond, but, uh, and I think that's the biggest, you know, what I try to change so much in, in this, you know, I never wanted to be a commentator. I never wanted to be somebody that just screams and yells, uh, just for the sound bites and for the political game. I'm here because I care about my country and I care about the values of the party that I support and, and those beliefs and the future of the American dream. Catalina Lauf is a 27-year-old Latina who ran for Congress in the 2020 Republican primary for Illinois' 14th Congressional District. She ran as an anti-establishment candidate and was branded as the Republican version of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC, as she's usually called. When someone runs as anti-establishment, their views are seen as opposing the conventional social, political, and economic principles of society. Other examples of anti-establishment candidates are President Trump and AOC. On this episode of Latinx, I speak with Catalina about her journey to running for Congress, being a Latina, assumptions about the Republican Party, the need for newer and younger voices in U.S. politics, and identity. Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez, and this is Latinx a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Latinx. We want to go beyond listening. We're ready to speak up. So join me in conversation every week as I meet Latinx from all over, de diferentes colores y sabores. As you know, a podcast is a journey, and I would love for you to follow this one. So join our community on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinx and reach out. You can also find out more at our website at wearelatinx.com. So I grew up in a very small town uh, called Woodstock, Illinois. So it was it's about 40 miles northwest of Chicago. So one of the furthest suburbs, but very agricultural area and a little bit of that, you know, suburban feel, but mostly uh, agricultural. And I grew up in it. It's a very quaint town. You know, everybody knows everybody. And, and I love that small town feel because you have the city right there and, and Cook County and, and all the drama that happens in the city of Chicago, but you were far enough away to also just get a, a very great, I got an amazing upbringing of just the Midwest. When you talk about solid Midwestern values, you know, God, country, guns, loving your neighbor, no matter what the, the race, gender, ethnicity, you know, you, you just get along. And, and it has a lot of that Midwestern charm. And I'm so proud of that upbringing. My mom, my mother is actually from Guatemala. So she came here in the mid eighties and left, you know, for those of you who don't know much about Guatemala, I mean, it's a third world country. This place has been riddled with corruption. Uh, the government is awful, but it is such a beautiful place. And uh, my mom worked really hard. My entire mother's side of the family worked very hard to be able to 
leave what they had over there to come here and to pursue the American dream. Because in America, you know, they knew they could make anything happen if they worked really hard for it. And so she came here legally. She worked three jobs. I mean, we're talking minimum wage, three jobs, learned English, uh, and you know, was able to make something out of herself. And, and here now she's an incredible, she was a, she worked K through 12 in the, the public education system, became a counselor, a therapist, two master's degrees. I mean, was able to, to be who she became because of coming to America and leaving her home country. Uh, and my father, who's a small business owner, grew up in a depression era household. I mean, my grandparents came from, you know, nothing, had lived through world wars. And uh, again, my father having that upbringing, and I think that's really how they, what brought them together, despite their cultural differences, was just this love of, of not only freedom, but, but America and, and being able to, to be, again, whoever you want to be. And, and they were able to build something so beautiful. And they came here to, to the suburbs of Chicago. My mom will, will constantly yell about the weather because she's just, she's not a snow, uh, somebody who loves snow. She misses her, her Guatemalan uh, uh, weather, oh, yeah. but. Uh, and Chicago it, weather can get horrible. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. Negative 40 out here yep. with the wind chill. Yeah, I'm like, gosh, mom, maybe South is in your your near future. I always just grew up for a love of the country. I would read history so much when I was younger. And uh, I really, you know, my parents have been always involved when it comes to just keeping up with current events and keeping up with politics. And I grew up in a, I would say, a more conservative household from a, a political ideology perspective. But, you know, I've also always, I wanted to make my own opinions on different things. And so I, I joined College Republicans when I went to college. Absolutely loved it. Got involved in all these different political campaigns and, and just read so much history because I knew that you know, I always identified more with conservative values just when it comes to freedom and our constitution and uh, fiscal responsibility and, and things that really, you know, make America the greatest country in the world is rooted in our constitution and our founding documents, what our founding fathers wanted for this country and the experiment that it is and what has, what's kept it this amazing experiment even to this day i mean i always say even in our worst days we're still we still live in the greatest country in the world and and then i also will say um you know growing up having somebody my mother leaving a, a foreign country a third world country like some, like guatemala i visited these places when i was very little and i saw poverty I mean, this is little kids who are my age who didn't have shoes. They were running barefoot in the street. Uh, I remember we would give, uh, my mom would always pack up our, our old pencils and markers from a class that, you know, every summer. And she would take all the extra down to Guatemala. And my uncle was a teacher there. And, and we would give everything that we had because these kids didn't even have basic school supplies. A big misconception is that, 
you know, America, you know, we don't care about people or Republicans don't care and all this. Well, that's not true. We want people to feel empowered. We don't want to become a country like Guatemala where your kids are walking barefoot and they don't even have basic education because the government has uh, taken everything and and has complete class warfare there. I mean, there's poverty and then there's the ultra wealthy. There's no middle class. And so, you know, I come here in, in America the middle class is what what America stands on, you know, small businesses and uh, the average American is what this country is is created upon. And so I think those experiences really also helped shape uh, my my political leanings and, and why I'm so driven to fight for to keeping what we have here. One of the things I see on your social media is that you are Latina by heart and American first. Mm -hmm. The America that I grew up with was a border America, which is a little different um, in the sense Mm -hmm. of, if you ask me, and I I am American by birth, but my culture and my heart and everything else is Latina. What do you mean by a Latina by heart and an American first? I'm so happy you asked that. And thank you for sharing your story as well, because I think it's incredibly interesting to see, you know, I feel like I never had like an identity crisis in terms of like cultural. I think I just grew up in, I mean, Spanish was my first language. My grandmother taught it to me because she took care of me. And uh, I grew up eating rice and beans and dancing and all the culture of, of Latin culture. And what I say Latina by heart is that, the Hispanic people in the Hispanic culture were known for being very passionate or known for being super loving. You know, you, you get anybody who walks into the door is part of the family. And I feel like I've got, I received more of that type of um, passion and love and heart from, from that side. My father's side is very German and very kind of cold and it, not that, you know, family doesn't matter, but it's just a very different culture. Central Americans are very warm people. And the biggest misconception with the Republican Party is that we don't care and that there is no compassion when you talk about these issues. I look at it from the perspective of, well, well, I I love people, I care, I want to help people, but I don't believe that giving somebody a paycheck and giving somebody just handing them things is a, is a form of love and compassion. I think empowerment is. And so having empathy is so important. And, you know, I, I feel like I got a lot of that empathy and the compassion from having this, you know, from the, the Latin side that I hope I want to be able to help change the perception and not to say that Americans and, and people of, you know, who are born here aren't compassionate. It's just, there's a mis, there's a, the stereotype is that Republicans aren't compassionate. And so I want to change that narrative as much as I can. I think that's one of the most important pieces of my platform is that we can solve these issues by being empathetic and by showing compassion, but, but by messaging it correctly, that the government is not your savior. You know, you are your own savior and you create your own destiny. And so I think that that double uh, play on my culture, just being both, that led me to the Latina by heart, American first. And where do you think the stereotype of Republicans not caring comes from? Part of it is honestly a messaging issue. I think, you know, Republicans for a long time, you know, we're, we're so based on facts and logic, which is great. But 
we have a marketing problem and that's just, we just don't, Republicans notoriously do not communicate these issues in an effective way. Whereas Democrats, you know, sometimes the logic and the facts aren't there, but the compassion and the empathy and the feeling on some of these issues is really there. And that's what people get, you know, so seduced by. That's what I always say. Communism is so seductive. Socialism is so seductive because it sounds great. And it sounds like you're, you're showing compassion and empathy, but in reality, the, the numbers don't add up. And, and history doesn't add up with what they're trying to accomplish. And so I think it is our fault as a party. And, and I hope to change that. I think, you know, I'm not about women and men and, and all these gender, gender things, but I do believe that we do, you know, need more women in the political space and more women to have a voice in this area and, and to be able to bring in more people in an empathetic way and to also message it correctly that, you know, this is what we stand for and this is what we're trying to accomplish. And this is why our values and our beliefs are truly the core of, of the American dream and why the far left and the socialists and the communists do not want people to be empowered and are taking away the American dream right in front of us. Let me ask you, what do you think that the Democratic Party has done right in terms of messaging the care that they have and, and, and being able to effectively have uh, the public or voters really believe that they, that they are cared for? I mean, I see the way that AOC and the squad and all these people, they talk and, you know, people, unfortunately, some people play into the victim mentality. I mean, these women talk about it's all pure victimhood. It's all, well, you, you know, can't make it. So this is why you need free health care. This is why you need uh, a universal basic income. When people are vulnerable, it's easy to go the route of somebody telling you that you're right. It, it isn't your fault. Let me help you. Let me take you in and let, let, let me handle this for you. That's, that's the easy way. Where, and that's what they do. And when people feel like they don't have hope, of course they're going to go to that. This is what we've seen throughout history. This is what Chavez did. They, they prey on that vulnerability when people don't feel like there's hope. And, and we also see that in the inner cities now. When you have marginalized communities and people are, the crime rates are up, kids can't even go to school to get the education that they need. And it's easy for people to come in and say, well, here's a paycheck you at least get to get by instead of empowering people to go in and have jobs and, and to revitalize their communities, to have a safer community, to have people uh, go to have their kids go to school with the media and the way that the, the liberals twist the narrative of Republicans. I don't think Republicans have gone on offense enough. We allow the left to create this narrative about us. We allow the left to to kind of be seductive in these words and we don't really you know do much about it and we don't we don't talk about our piece and so i think it's a double-edged sword in that way and is this partially why you decided to run for congress yes (laughs) a big reason absolutely the rise of aoc and these women not only the way that they're so this victimhood mentality but also the the yelling and the screaming and the constant fighting now, I looked at them and I'm like, well, this isn't an accurate representation of women and young women. I think we need people on the other side that stand for the complete opposite to show, hey, 
you know, say you're a, a millennial young woman and AOC is your only example of somebody in the political space and the only person who has a voice at the table for that person's age who they identify with. Well, why don't we give them another choice of you don't have to think like that. You don't have to feel like you're a victim. You don't have to believe in, in socialism and far left ideology. Let's give them an opportunity to see what what somebody else on the other side believes. Here's somebody that's the same age, the same ethnic background for all intents and purposes. And uh, that peer-to-peer -peer messaging I think is so important. And so, you know, I saw these women and I, I feel like this is, was my way of stepping up and defending my country internally and defending the constitution and, and wanting to have a seat at the table and fight against these powers. Because if nobody does, if there aren't counter voices to these women, then you know our message gets lost. And right now the loudest voices in the room win. Why don't we have that on the conservative side, fighting for freedom, fighting for the values that our country was founded upon? The labels Republican and Democrat come with a large set of assumptions. If you say you identify as Republican and another person is Democrat, the automatic assumption is not that their belief system is different, it's that their belief system is the opposite. How opposite? Well, according to a 2019 report by the Pew Research Center, 78% of the public overall believes that divisions between Republicans and Democrats are increasing. 55% say that there is a great deal of difference in what each party stands for. And to put this in perspective, in the early 2000s, no more than a third of Americans said that there were major differences between the parties. Something I found particularly interesting was that 73% of the public said that Republicans and Democrats not only disagree over plans and policies, but they also disagree on basic facts. How do you disagree on facts? How is that possible? I did some research, and oh boy, that sent me into a long, long journey that led me all the way to identity. To put simply, when we are presented with the same fact, we use our perception to support this fact. Our perception is grounded in our identity. We seek out evidence that supports our worldviews and strengthen that identity. Anything that threatens our identity becomes wrong. As Clemens Capel, a professor at the University of Copenhagen said, asserting facts is not simple. It is often a way of signaling broader religious, moral, or political allegiance, and this makes it harder for us to fully respect our fellow citizens when we disagree over factual matters. You have been called the anti-AOC. So hearing you say all of these things, how does that translate to you, that, that difference? I mean, apart from the fact that you guys are two different political parties. Yeah, I think, you know, people naturally made that uh, comparison, just again, given the age, given the fact that we were both, you know, had this Hispanic background. And it's like, how could these two women be so different? And I think a lot of it, again, you look at where we live. I mean, she lives in, in, the city in New York City and grew up with that perspective. And I grew up in, in mid middle America. And I think that's, it's just people made those comparisons because it was just so natural. And then also, again, from the political ideology standpoint, I mean, we could not be more opposite. Right. And so 
the media picked that up right away, of course. And again, also, I think the Republican side hadn't had a young person, especially a young, you know, somebody with Hispanic descent run for office. And so a lot of people were kind of like, finally, there's somebody that is a counter voice to these women. And since then, I think so many people have risen. There are so many Republicans, young Republican women now running for office to really defend against what these women are, are also trying to do. So I'm really proud of that. And I'm proud to support them as well, that we can all be the anti, you know, AOCs and, and the anti Rashida Tlaib. I mean that because I do believe that their values and their ideologies are dangerous to this, this country. What they stand for is dangerous. They believe in a Marxist ideology that, and they cover it up with the way that they cover it up very, from a messaging standpoint. And, but they're also dangerous in the fact that they know how to use Twitter. They know how to use Instagram. They're, they're hitting millennials and, and younger generations in a way that our party just has not been able to capture. You know, we have very older people, not to say there's anything wrong with that, but we just need new blood to come in and people who have voices on the side of freedom. What do you say to the people who are convinced by the narrative that a Latina millennial as yourself should not yeah. be a Trump supporter? First of all, you know, this society loves putting people in boxes, especially women, you know, the, that's their way of being able to control, uh, different genders, different ethnicities is by saying, well, you need to fit in here. And I'm not about that. You know, I, I think that was the biggest draw to, for a lot of people to the campaign and to my candidacy from across the country was that, you know, I was breaking these stereotypes and I wasn't afraid to because so many people are so afraid to speak up. And I get messages all the time by young Hispanic women that are like, wow, you know, I always thought I was more Republican just because that's the way more I think. But you know, being a Republican as a Latina is not really acceptable. And, and so, and I'm just amazed that, that I just want to say to them, like, you don't have to be, you can be who you want to be. You know, humans are way too complex to even fit into these, you know, political labels. And I think the biggest thing is messaging, you know, Republicans, I've been very disappointed with the party because for a long time, we never went into these uh, communities. We never went into the black communities. We never went into the Hispanic communities. You know, these are, these are both, from a cultural perspective would actually fit more with our ideology in terms of hard work, in terms of family values, in terms of, you know, being pro-life for, from a religious perspective and loving God. And these values are so small business owners. I mean, the amount of small business Hispanic owners, you know, they don't want to be paying taxes all the time. They don't want their livelihoods taken from them. They came here and they left what they did because they wanted uh, to be able to, to provide for themselves and their family. And so I think a big, a big problem has been on, on the Republican Party side by not addressing these communities, by failing to message the, our values correctly. And, and you know what? I don't think that hope is lost. I want to be part of the people that bring in everybody. You know, it's not about where you were born, you know, who you are, where, where you come from. It's about what you want to do and who you want to be. And that's the only thing that matters and, and economic empowerment is one of the main um, drivers of the you know, Republican platform. 
Right now, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges we're facing as a nation? I used to say the divide and, you know, I'm all about united we stand, divided we fall. You know, we should not let politics get in the way of human connection and solving problems and things like that. But I will say, I don't, I believe that our country is actually a lot more united than the media and social media and all these different people want to say that we are. I think we're actually um, more united as people. I think the biggest, the biggest thing is, is our legislative body not working together. You know, Congress is not working together and that is a big problem. And I don't know how to, you know, to solve it. I ran for Congress in hopes of being somebody that would come to the table and to help uh, bridge that divide. The per the woman who I was going to run against on the Democratic side is somebody who has a further left voting record than AOC and somebody that refuses to come to the table on issues. I don't think that that's productive. I think we need new people in Congress that are willing to come together and willing to solve modern day challenges uh, in a way that's going to put our country back in order. We cannot be fighting all the time and, and blaming the president and this complete gridlock that's happening in the House and the Senate against the president. You know, we need to work together. He cannot be doing things alone. You know, all this fighting is really being perpetuated by the far left. You know, AOC and the friends are the way that they the things that they have called a president of the United States, the things that they say about people in their other party. I mean, that's not productive. So I would say the biggest issue is, is Congress, is our current Congress. And we need new people. We need term limits. We need people. Why are people there on both sides of the aisle for 17 terms, you know, 30, 40 years? We need to be working together and solving these things in a common sense way. I think that's the biggest issue is our current Congress. The average age of members in the U.S. House of Representatives is 57 years old. And of the Senate, it's 61 years old. That's among the oldest in U.S. history, according to the Senate website. Of the members of the House, there are 33 Latino Democrats and five Latino Republicans. And there are four Latino senators, two Democrats and two Republicans. Latino registered voters have historically identified more with the Democratic Party. Why is this the case? Another study conducted by the Pew Research Center in December 2019 found that a high percentage of Latino voters favor raising minimum wage, government involvement in healthcare, and stricter gun laws, all issues that the Democratic Party aligns with. What advice do you have for young Latinas who want to go into politics? Republican, Democrat, whatever you, you, know, you feel like you align yourself with, I would, number one, read as much as you can about history, our founding documents, the Federalist Papers, our Constitution, just to get an idea of what you know, our country was founded upon in those ideas. Uh, and then I would say just continue to read on different, on both sides, and then just see where you fit from a value perspective and your own beliefs. And then, you know, you don't have to agree with everything that one political party says, but a lot of it just should be uh, molded by your own experiences and just what you think you align yourself with based on your amazing, you know, intellectual capabilities, right? And then from there, I would say, join a campaign. Uh, you know, a lot of people I was so lucky to have Democrat support as well. 
And especially a lot of these moderate Democrats that look at somebody like my opponent, who would have been my opponent in the Democrat um, in the general general election, who have just gone so far left and they just want kind of normal, they believe in fiscal conservatism. Find a candidate or a politician, somebody that you who you really like, that you agree with, and you like their values, you like the way that they speak, you know, things like that, and then either campaign for them, help them out, uh, just get involved in local politics as well. Just just get out there. You know, the only way to understand and to to really immerse yourself is if you dive in and, and see what the, the political life is all about. I would also say a big thing for me too was I used to write, you know, some political commentary in college and was very active with my college Republicans. So ha start a blog, you know, have your opinions out there and you might find that a lot of people actually agree with what you're saying and, and they could be from all different sides of the aisle. Uh, just get involved as much as you can and, and read, you know, knowledge is power. And I think that's the biggest thing that I sometimes fear with millennials is that we live in the, the information age. We have access to everything and yet somehow we still get caught up in sound bites and believing people for taking things at face value and we have so much access we should always dig deeper and get and have more depth on some of these conversations regardless of your political affiliation anything that is built should come from a solid foundation read ask questions read again speak to others with different views seek out other belief systems and this doesn't mean that you might change yours or even understand other beliefs, but it means that you will learn to understand yourself better and know why you believe what you believe. It might not change your perception of facts, but it could help you strengthen your identity or even adjust parts of it as you learn more and keep asking questions, because it inevitably leads to growth and being able to think a little bit outside of the box. You can learn more about Catalina on her website, catalinaforcongress.com or at Catalina Lauf on all her social media. Don't ever let anybody put you in a box. Stand firm on your values. You know, I always loved this thing. If you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. One of my favorite um, political commentators used to say that all the time. Her name was Andrea Tintaros. And uh, love that because if you don't stand firm on your, your values or, or don't speak your mind, uh, you know, don't ever let somebody speak for you. And I think that's, you know, the biggest thing for people of you know, Hispanic descent that are trying to find their way in this political frenzy is, is to be true to yourself and your values and don't ever let somebody put you in that box. Hey guys, thank you for listening. Make sure to support your communities. It doesn't matter what you choose to advocate for, just go out there and help. Connect and inspire others to do the same. Download our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can stay up to date. And join our community on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Latinikis. Reach out and let me know what's important to you. I'd love to hear what you have to say.